So this is Mark Bagan, and in the studio today, we're talking with Cassandra Hickman from Brooklyn Public Library, Canarsie Branch. Cassie. Cassie. Hi, Mark. Uh, (laughs) Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you back in here again. And the reason that you are here today is we are going to be talking about a project that I was was lucky enough to work with you on. Um, Could you tell us a little bit about, number one, your background and where you're working? Sure. I am uh, currently a children's librarian at the Canarsie Library, and I've been there just over a year now. Um, I graduated from library school and uh, art school about a year and a half ago. Um, So then I went straight to work at the library. Can you tell us a little bit about Canarsie and the branch that you work at? Sure. Canarsie is a neighborhood in uh, southeast Brooklyn. It's at the very end of the L train, Rockaway Parkway stop. It's a neighborhood that's predominantly Caribbean heritage families, lots of immigrant families, and um, kind of a sleepy neighborhood in some ways. I think a lot of people sleep in Canarsie and then travel other places in Brooklyn to go to work. Um, And the library is a really wonderful community hub there. We have lots of regular patrons who come in every day. And um, as far as the children go, I get to develop close relationships with the kids who come there every day after school. So did that lead to, I'm curious about the project that Mm -hmm. you proposed and and what you're here to talk about today. Um, Talk to me a little bit about that. What was the project? How did we get involved? And how did this come into your head that you wanted to propose this project? Tell, give us a little bit of background. Sure. So I uh, had the fortune to participate in the Brooklyn Incubator workshops, part of the Brooklyn Public Library, where staff can propose new ideas for their branches. And I was interested in working with teens because although we have a high school right across the street, We don't get a lot of teens actually participating in programs in the library, so we wanted to touch that portion of the population a little more closely. Um, And so I developed a relationship with a high school librarian at the Canarsie Educational Campus, and through going through these workshops and talking to people, um, we were just brainstorming about ways that we could really connect with teens, uh, make them excited about coming to the library and start learning new technology, uh, teaching them more about what's available at the library and the more modern resources that we have. And we also were interested in a program that would allow these teens to express their opinions. It's been such a tumultuous sort of political climate, and we thought it might be interesting to help teens share their opinions about what's going on, um, current social issues, or really anything that they wanted to talk about that they felt was important to them. Did you find, were you, in doing the project, found to find another reason why it's important or find to find other reasons why, uh, why this should exist either in Canarsie or other branches or something that would be available to teenagers? Absolutely. I think one of the most amazing things that happened through doing this workshop was hearing from our students about 
how it really helped them come out of their shell and open up, um, get more comfortable speaking and kind of find confidence in topics that they are interested in um, and learning how to maybe express those opinions in a more powerful way. Um, it was also exciting to hear that the teens who participated felt like once they had done these workshops and met the people who are running them and interacted with the other students uh, who are participating, uh, I think one student said that it humanized the library for him. He felt like coming into the library now is much easier because he recognizes faces and it's not just a building, it's actual humans. Did you notice a change with staff at the library? That What was the... What was the change after this? What what happened with the program and the staff's participation? Absolutely. Um, we had, well, all of the Canarsie staff were really wonderful about accommodating this program. But in particular, we had three staff members besides me helping with the project. Desiree Watson, Emily Jones, and Julia Legutko. And it was great to have them participate because now they're also touch points for these kids coming into the library, um, more faces that they recognize and more people that they trust. And it also, I think, gives the students, um, if they feel more comfortable talking with one person, they can go to them, um, just multiple resources. It seems like, and I, I don't want to mislabel, but I, I have this assumption about teenagers and younger people is that they are so much more technolo- tech- technically and technologically savvy than most of us adults. I don't think that's an inaccurate stereotype. I think most students are just because they're they're sort of born using equipment now. Um, what was interesting to watch is that is is, and I'm so out of a out of a high school classroom these days that I don't see this as much, but to see staff members using their skills as sort of bastions for community, as um, ambassadors for community, as as in their own way, educators and caretakers, giving that to, to the students and, and embracing them and the students sort of warming up that way. And reversely, the students providing a level of confidence to the staff members about use of equipment. Uh, because uh, your your staff, which I have to applaud. I have to applaud the the students as well as the staff here. Uh, they were every the engagement was so fun to watch. But your your staff especially because I think when we did trainings with them initially, technically, I totally understand it could be intimidating to, to learn new equipment. And by the end, at least in my eyes, it seemed like they were like, "Yeah, we can do this. We can try this a little bit more than we than when we first started." Absolutely. They got so excited about it. At yeah. first, I felt like we were all nervous um, experimenting with this completely new technology. But once the students started learning, too, it was like, oh, yeah, we can we can help with that. We, we know how to check levels or we can learn from them and pretend we can uh, <laughs> we know more than we do. But I think they taught us, too. It was nice. You're right. There was an exchange of confidence. The program was a six-week workshop series. It was six 90-minute workshops, um, Mondays after school, and we had relatively loose format, um, but there were some guidelines. So we asked 
students to create four-minute pieces or less. They were encouraged to work as individuals, but were also welcome to work in teams. And the theme of the podcast was broadly current social issues. Students could pick any topic within that umbrella um, that they wanted to. And uh, instructor Jamie Corville helped teach students how to interview, how to craft a story. Um, she gave some examples of other podcast styles. And Mark, uh, Mark, you sent the students on a sound scavenger hunt, uh, which was great. It was amazing to watch them learn how to listen and start to really observe different sounds in a whole new way. And then the students would be able to check out equipment from the library, take it home, interview teachers, friends, parents, family members, and bring the equipment back. And we would talk about what they had recorded. And then we started to craft these pieces into stories. I think... I think I was just really floored by the enthusiasm of our students. Um, they kept kept coming back on their own free will every week. And it was really fun to watch them not only learn the technical skills, which they learned super quickly, but to see their faces when they're listening to their own pieces come together. I agree. Um, it was super fun to watch. And now everybody gets a chance to listen. Um, so let's jump in, shall we? Uh, what's the first piece that we're going to be listening to today? The first piece we're going to be listening to today is by Amy Maboge, and she is talking about some challenges that children face while growing up in Senegal, which is her home country. Hi, my name is Amy. You are listening to Kanasi Youth Radio, and... This is my story. I am from West Africa, Senegal. And today I want to talk about a topic that concerns me a lot. It involves kids being sent to school to learn the Quran. But instead of learning, they are being sent to the streets by the teachers to beg for them money, rice, whatever it is that they can get. And sometimes they can be so brutal to the kids. I I had a case once where a kid ran away from his teacher and he ended up at my house. He had a lot of scars. He was very ill. We didn't know where he came from. And it took us a lot of massages just to make him feel better. And people in my country think that that's okay and that's normal. It's part of their culture. I have been outside the country. I've been more diverse. I am more experienced, and I do a lot of human rights activities, so that gives me a new perspective of the situation. And looking back at that time, I don't think it's okay for kids to have to go through that, and I don't think it's okay for parents to send their kids to such a place. And this is something that people don't talk about, and it is very bad that they don't, they don't even realize what is going on because they are so cultured to the surroundings. They think it's okay. But in my part, I think this is something that has to be bent because 
The right of a child is to receive education in a rightful way and to be able to have a childhood and to be loved. I really like that. I like I like the sound effects that come in at the end, especially. I might be wrong about this, but that was one of the first times Amy had done anything like that. Like she wasn't. Some of the kids had some experience in editing. You know, there were some kids that messed around with different programs. I don't think she had done anything. No, like this that. was the first time. She was amazing. She was nervous about it at first because yeah. she goes to the high school for medical professions. So. She was not um, strong in technical skills. She did an amazing job. She's one of those people, like you say, she's she's an old soul. Like she was, I was like, I you feel like a peer. Like she, you could just <laughs> talk to her. And be like, oh, I forget I that you're agree. a teenager. Like her perspective was very sharp. Um, cool. So let's. What's the next piece that we're going to be listening to? The next piece we're listening to is by. A group of three, uh, Channing Head, Jacob Matthews, and Carl Reserve. And they were asking this question, can esports be a viable career option, especially for people who may not have traditional job trajectories? So they interviewed their teacher about his thoughts on the subject. You're listening to the KNRC Youth Radio. My name is Channing. My name is Jay. My name is Jacob. This is, this our, is our story. To just snacks. Does find one. Oh, no. Let's not leave him out of this. The big apple and snacks is hungry. He's got one kill already on the USP. Low HP as well on Guardian and Flamey. He's trying to bait them out, trying to get them into one-on-ones as he dances back and forth between the box. What a shot on Simple! My name is John Carmundo. So today I want to ask you about esports. All right. First, I'm gonna ask: Do you know anything like about esports as a whole? I've seen um, StarCraft um, esports, and I don't know if Street Fighter, the Street Fighter tournaments, are considered esports. Yeah. But I watch some of um, Evo and stuff like that. Yeah. So the main question we're asking today is: Do you think esports is a viable career? Because most parents now seem to not really think so, but I kind of want to get opinions from just like a lot of different people. So. Right. I, I think esports is like regular sports where you have people with this incredible ability to play video games or play specific video games that if they get found, they can do it. But for the most part, very few people get to be at that level. Yeah. So I, I think it's not necessarily it's it's viable in that it's great to try when you're young but it may not be so easy to to get to those levels for everybody so if if like uh someone who's let's say like uh, in, uh, from like 11 to maybe 17 or so, sure said hey i want like do you do you think it would be cool for me to get into esports like what would you tell them from just like with your prior knowledge and from like your standpoint? Sure. Um, well, grades are paramount. And I'm not just saying that as a teacher, but also you have to make sure that academics stand out. But then we have a lot of time when we're young. So why not 
if you really love video games, why not try it? Especially, it's a young, it's a young person's game, right? Because there's not a lot of old people because our reflexes get slow when we get older and like all we could do is pass on our information, our knowledge for the, for the younger set. But yeah, when you're young and you have time, we should be kids when we're young. You know, a lot of us try to grow up really fast. Esports is a great way to, to do that, you know? And if you can make some bucks, why not? All right, um, thank you, thank you for the interview, thank you for your time right now. Thank you very much. Um, some great feedback we got, this, we got from you. Thank you very much. Now these guys were, I mean, there was a funny group. These guys knew how to edit. I was, I mean, they, they learned. They, mm -hmm. they definitely, their skill level advanced while they were in this, um, in this class, but they came in and we were showing them stuff and I was like, these guys know what they're doing. They really did. They were incredible. I thought, you know, it's so funny watching them because they're such goofballs. But meanwhile, they're completing the project so quickly. They either had experience already. I know they did, but it seems like they really caught on with the editing software and pulled it all together. It's nice with these pieces. Of course, we wanted to hear from a teenager's perspective. But something that is like a I don't think they would have put it this way, but that's an actual plea in a way, like, yeah. come on, pay attention to this. Like, this is an actual, the literal, the word viable, you know, a viable career choice. But they're absolutely right. I'm glad that they did get an elder mm -hmm. to speak on mic about it. I think that's an important part of it, that it wasn't just a peer review of parents just don't understand. It was, you know, getting a, an adult to talk about it. But I thought they did a great job. Um, speaking of adults and games and talking to peer versus talking to peers about it. Uh, tell us a little bit about our next piece. Our next piece is by Elijah Callahan, and he is a big video game fan as well. He took a different tact with this. Um, he wanted to know how his peers rate the video game Super Mario Mario Odyssey, and he ended up reflecting a little bit about his his childhood with this one. Hey, my name is Elijah Callahan, and you're listening to the KNRC Youth Radio, and this is my story. Hey, welcome to Bit by Bit. Right now, we have our fabulous guest, uh, Channing, about uh, his thoughts on the new game, uh, Super Mario Odyssey. Um, I love it. It's very fun. So, like, how is it fun? Like, okay, so look, look you know how regular Mario, you go on the tube and you teleport to, like, some random place underground, but when you go on the tube, you turn into Paper Mario, so you're, like, digital. You're on like some object. You have to like dodge digital objects. So, so what would you give the game? Like, I would give the game a ten out of ten. But uh, what would you rate the game? Real talk, uh, ten point five. I'd give it a nine out of ten. Eleven out of ten. Uh, probably eight out of ten. There are definitely some things that could uh, improve. Uh, it's okay. Um, it has. Pretty good controls, good graphics. I like the throwback to the old uh, Mario look and style. Uh, maybe just a little bit of um, discoloration in it. A little bit like that. IGN. But you're not IGN. No, I'm not a credible source. Please don't sue me. Okay, okay I, we will definitely not sue you. Okay, Orain, what's your thoughts on Super Mario Odyssey? I believe it is a good game. Why do you believe that it's a good game? Because it's beautiful. It's be it's so it has good graphics. Yes. Like, how good graphics do you like? 
A1. A1. Okay, that's great. So if you were going to give the game a rating, what would the rating be? 11 out of 10. That's a, that's a really high rating. Uh, thank you for your time, and uh, definitely put this in my podcast. All around the board, as you can see, everyone loves Super Mario Odyssey. I guess in my opinion, everyone loved the game because it kind of evoked that childhood magic of the world that you eventually lose as you get into adult, emerging back into this magical, wonderful world with a bunch of things to explore and discover. It kind of sets you back to your youth days, not only being nostalgic in the game, but nostalgic in real life too. So I want to hear him continue to do this throughout his life. I'd like to I'd like to hear that little piece of of reflection. Like um <laughs> it's almost like a Jerry Springer moment, but I I like it in Elijah <laughs> voice. Like I I just I love I love that piece at the end where he's, you know, tying it all together and he's giving this here's my final thought. You know, yes. here's how here's how it all goes back. It's <laughs> like philosophy comes did, comes into play. Did he talk to you about that? Or I can't remember with with his piece how that or was that an Elijah thing where he's like, I'm gonna put a little He did a button at the end here. He did. He you know, I think he was really thinking about why. Um asking that question like why, why does this matter? Um, why can I how can I convince other people to care about this subject and he yeah he tied it back in he tied it back into his his kid his uh his childlike reflections on video games which is valid yeah totally totally valid i'm if elijah listens to this by chance i would like to challenge him to do a follow-up to this because i don't know if you remember this at the event at the listening party he talked about what his Actual, and I'm going to use the word Genesis, and I, it's, I'm, I'm no pun intended to the video game system, but like the genesis of this feeling for him was that when he moved, do you remember him saying this? That when he moved, his mom, they had to move quickly or something. There was like a, an inopportune time or something like that for moving, and they didn't have time for their toys. And so their mom said, I'm going to give you guys this Game Boy with all these video games, all the That's games right. that go to Game Boy. And that was his initiation. And he was able to tie this this passion for the system and this passion for gaming with this time in his life and this reflective moment where his mom was what I projected, like his mom was doing something out of love, you know, and, and this is how I'm gonna get you guys toys very soon once we get settled. But this is what you're gonna where you're gonna go with. I was like, that's really beautiful. So Elijah, if you listen, you have to follow up bit by bit with maybe just bit by bit continuing the series or bit by bit too. I want to hear that story, more about that story. Um, so we're going to close it out with another great piece. And tell us a little bit about this one. The last piece is by Eliza Callahan and Brianna Salgado. And Eliza and Brianna both love music. Um, so they decided to make a piece on why um, the way music makes us feel matters you're listening to the knrc youth radio my name is eliza callahan and my silent but deadly partner's name is brianna santo santiago's <laughs> and this is our story i'm with Rakira from my class and she will give us a very special in- insight on music hello Rakira. how's your day my day is fine 
So my question is, what type of music do you listen to? R&B and hip-hop. What is your favorite song? My favorite song right now is one, the number one is Love Galore by SZA and Love by Kendrick Lamar. And uh, what those what those songs make you feel? How do you feel when you listen to them? I feel like they're singing to me. Like the song was meant to be sung for me in that moment. Like I'm listening to it and I just don't have a care in the world. Thank you for your response and thank you for your time. I'll talk to you later. Hello, I'm back with my with my teacher for another interview and I'm going to be asking her about her, what type of music she listens to. Hi, Miss Lamar. What type of music do you listen to? I listen to all types of music. Hip-hop, classical, jazz. I like it all. Do you have a favorite song that you would like to share? I like to listen to Janae, especially off her new album. I think it's called While We Were Young. I don't remember, but I listen to her a lot. While listening to those types of songs, how do they make you feel? And when do you actually listen to them? They make me feel calm, and I listen to them before I start work, like just to soothe me, or sometimes before I go to sleep. Thank you, and I'll see you back later for another class or lesson. <laughs> Bye, and this was Eliza Callanan from podcast number two. My name is Brianna Salgado, working with KNRC Youth Radio Podcast, and I'm here with... Mary Ortiz. Where did you grow up? Somerville, New Jersey. Do you feel like music from where you grew up influenced your characteristics? It helped me get through stuff growing up, like if a breakup happened, certain songs would, you know, hit the spot and make you feel like, okay, things are going to get better. From the music you used to listen to, do you feel like there was like some sort of evolution to what you listen to now? Yes and no. Yes in the aspect that it's changed so much that now it's a lot more sexual, as opposed to then it that was more frowned upon, that was more rebellious. Now it's more normal. The Lady Gagas, the Katy Perrys, the Rihannas, much twerking, like that stuff you really didn't see back in the day. Now, do you feel like the music now is more influential or have a negative impact? It can be influential and it can have a negative impact. Um, for example, like I said, there's a lot of music now that's very motivating, like a lot of rap songs, a lot of hip hop music is very motivating. Um, and then there's songs that are kind of not what kids need to hear, like that one song, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you know what I'm talking about, right? The whole, like, I want to die, I just want to... Do you feel like the rated R, per se, songs should probably be toned down? Or do you feel like people should be able to express no matter how it is? I mean, I don't think it should be toned down because it's a freedom of speech and with all the things going on right now in the world... Um, I feel like that's all people really have right now is to use their platforms to get their speech across. Why do you think music is so important? I think it helps youth a lot because it's kind of their outlet. You know, they have their friends and all, but they need an outlet. They don't have their parents. They feel like just no one's there. They can listen to music and zone out. At the moment, 
What is your favorite song that you feel has gotten you through a tough time? Oh my God, Rockabye Baby with Sean Paul, and I don't remember, I don't know the girl's name. It came out when I was pregnant and nervous, and then that song kind of made me feel good, like, all right, I'm ready for this. Now that this is our final question for closing, what is one message that you want to give out to the youth? My inspiration for the youth would be to stay strong, keep your heads up, your ears closed, whether it be bullying or just media. And yeah, be yourself and always be yourself. And you're going to keep finding yourself and yourself now is not going to be yourself in 10, 20 years. Okay. This has been Brianna Salgado for the Youth Radio Podcast and with my special guest, Mary Ortiz. Thank you and have a good day. Don't be fooled by the rocks that I got. I'm still, I'm still Jenny from the block. Mary used to have a little, now I have a lot. No matter where I go, I know where I came from. The Bronx, Somerville. And Brianna really came out of her shell. For She's one of the students that was um, very quiet. And to have her lead an interview like that, and as well, just the piece itself, it was really encouraging to see that. Really encouraging. She has such a natural voice mm -hmm. when she's interviewing. Yeah. It's really, yeah, it was so fun to see her and hear her start to blossom. And really have guided questions. She really had things she wanted to find out. So, I, and I'm glad to hear that. I, I really like hearing pieces that are teenagers and adults and the respect that's given to each. Uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. Absolutely. Um, these were great. So what what are you thinking at this point for next steps and what would you like to do and what are some takeaways? I definitely hope to continue having podcast workshops at the library um, and hopefully it will be these same kids, maybe more kids if they're interested um, and kind of creating more of a regular a regular program out of it. Um, takeaways that I've learned, I think it was really important to have these kids speak about what they wanted to speak about. It wasn't a homework assignment or something that they had to do. It was all about really giving them a platform. And I think if I hopefully keep doing this in the future, that'll be one of the main things that we continue to do. Where can people go at this point for listening to these pieces outside of outside of this piece, this long piece that we're giving them? Where can they go to find out more about either the program, the branch, or uh, these individual podcast episodes? Absolutely. So the Brooklyn Public Library website um, is a great place to start where you can find the Canarsie Library branch on there. Uh, there's also a podcasts page where all the different podcasts produced through the Brooklyn Public Library exists. Um, it's brooklynlibrary.org slash podcasts. The Canarsie, KNRC Youth Radio podcast is available on iTunes and Libsyn and will also be available on the Brooklyn Public Library podcasts page. Awesome. And I do have to say, the logo is so cool. They the did a logo great job with is logo. really cool. It's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> if by chance you're listening to this and not seeing the logo, then you need to go to any of the spaces that uh, Cassie told you to see it. Uh, 
I really like it. Also, it had a very you had a very cool tote bag. The tote the, bag that was so cool. <laughs> the uh, tote bag turned out to be really, really handy. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you have anything else you want to talk about or add before we sign off? Hmm. I guess maybe I'd like to thank you, Mark, um, for helping with this workshop. It's been such a great learning experience for me and for all of the participants. Um, thanks to Jamie. Thank you to the Brooklyn Incubator for making it all possible. Um, all of the mentors that helped me along the way and the Canarsie Library. Awesome. Well, thank you. It was a thrill and I would love to do it again. And I hope you the staff and the students continue making content because it's all great. Um, <laughs> and we will see everybody soon or hear everybody soon or talk to everybody soon. I don't know how to end this. Sometimes. <laughs> <I don't laughs> it's, like, it's hard to say goodbye. <laughs> it's hard to say goodbye. <laughs> Either way, you have the information. Uh, if you want to listen to more or see more about the project, uh, this is Mark Pagan. And this is Cassie Hickman. And thanks for listening. <laughs>